This is the John Oakley Show podcast. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. He was whimpering, screaming, and crying. And frankly, I think it's something that should be brought out so that his followers and all of these young kids that want to leave various countries, including the United States, they should see how he died. He didn't die a hero. He died a coward, crying, whimpering, screaming, and bringing three kids with him to die. Certain death. That was Donald Trump yesterday announcing the death by American forces of the the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. So uh, what's the takeaway from his death? Some people are projecting it could be strikes in retaliation. Uh, Will this now dismantle this organization or will it live on with sleeper cells in various countries, including perhaps our own? An expert to go to on these matters, Mubin Sheikh, is a former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert, and he's joined the Oakley Show this afternoon. Mubin, good to have you back on board. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So, Mubin, uh, what is the takeaway from the death of al-Baghdadi? Well, first and foremost, it is a good day. It is a good day. You know, it is uh, the triumph of good over evil. Uh, Baghdadi was a degenerate. Uh, it's like President Trump said, he died like a coward. Right, but, uh, you know, there are some people suggesting that perhaps because of uh, his death and uh, the symbolism of beheading the snake, uh, will this now dismantle this organization and they just sort of fritter away, or do you think uh, we can anticipate potentially retaliatory strikes? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not defeated. It is certainly a heavy blow to them psychologically, uh, uh, you know, operationally. But, of course, in in this later year of his life, at least, he really wasn't uh, involved in day-to-day operations. It was mostly just high-level yes and no. Um, But uh, certainly they have uh, lots of money left. Their affiliates are all over the world, uh, really spreading uh, in Africa, northern Africa, western Sahel region, uh, in southeast Asia, uh, in in uh, Libya, so so they're they're still very much in the fight. Yes, people have said that you know we're we're looking for revenge attacks, retaliatory attacks, and well, what we're going to be looking at is is less revenge and more for them to promote the the idea that their brand is still capable of conducting attacks. So so that is definitely why everyone is is on the watch for that. Well, he was known as an ultra conservative. Uh... Muslim, I guess, from the ruins of the war in Iraq, and that's when he sort of went to this readout in northern Syria, bordering Iraq, and uh, the whole ISIS caliphate uh, took off and, I guess, met its peak in 2014. What's the philosophy that informs these people, if in fact there is one? Yeah, and and again, I mean, this stuff has been going on. I mean, like you noted, Baghdadi started his first jihadi group immediately following the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Um, so, you know, uh, since then, in the, you know, 16 years, uh, he's been involved, you know, with, with Al-Qaeda in Iraq and then created Islamic State in Iraq and then the so-called uh, Islamic State itself. But this, this ideology, the ideology, it's a deviant, fanatical form of Islam. Um, you know, they, they, uh, it's a really a totalitarian, fascist worldview. Um, you know, where they have to rule over everybody, right, and by force and by death. Uh, you know, you can call them a Muslim supremacist death cult. Um, and, and this is an ideology, if you call it Wahhabi ideology or, or sometimes Salafist ideology, it's basically the idea that vigilantes can take over and rule. 
And then that's really what everything is predicated on. So this is what they tried to do in setting up their so-called state. Um, but, but like I've said earlier, they've taken a huge blow, but they're nowhere near out of the fight. Well, is it a hierarchical organization where uh, they would have people, you know, who would then uh, succeed him, uh, you know, and uh, I, I don't know, like, you know, a paramilitary organization would be structured? Yeah, it's a little difficult for them in this case because they announced their guy as the caliph, right? I mean, uh, the caliph is supposed to be the ruler. You know, he uh, he's supposed to have certain credentials, um, and so he didn't appoint anyone. You know, there's no real council left for them to appoint someone, but they did. Of course, there is a former uh, Saddam regime military official uh, who is who has become the next leader. Um, but uh, as far as we're concerned, that's just that's our next target. Again, with Mubin Sheikh, former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert, on the aftermath of the death of al-Baghdadi, the guy who founded and headed ISIS until he was uh, killed ingloriously, as Donald Trump would put it, yesterday in a tunnel uh, in a readout there in northern Syria, northwestern, uh, northeastern Syria, rather. So, uh, Mubin, then, will this stoke uh, enough animosity and, uh, you know, scattered ISIS members, maybe even sleeper cells, might just want to take out, meet out some kind of retaliation or retribution? Yeah, I mean, these groups are already working autonomously. They already have their operating principles, right? It is to cause, you know, chaos, fear, you know, through terrorism. Um, So, I mean, that will not change. The, The modus operandi continues to be business as usual. Um, you know, they will absorb this news. Of course, you know, some of them will be motivated by it a bit more. Um, but again, the, the train is firmly still on its track. And whether the attacks happened, you know, happen suddenly or soon, in, you know, in the event they want to show immediately that they're still a force to be reckoned with, or remain disciplined, lay low, play the long game, and wait for an attack that counts. What about these ISIS members? Some have been captured now uh, with the Americans withdrawing from the Kurdish-held territory. It seems like uh, several have scattered to the four winds, and uh, the European nations don't want them back either. And Donald Trump uh, was saying, you know, you guys better take them. Uh, he doesn't want them. I mean, where are they going to end up? Yeah, I just happened to come from a high-level diplomatic conference on this very topic. You, you know, you're dealing with tens of thousands um, you know, of ISIS family members, uh, some people who just got swept up and whatever. So there are a number of camps all over Iraq and Syria that are holding, you know, nationals from all different countries. Uh, remember, I mean, there uh, there was only like 6,000 who were who left from Western countries. So the number of Westerners that are there is, is low relative to, of course, uh, other nationalities like Middle Eastern nationalities. Uh, you know, of course, there's been reluctance to repatriate these people, and that's, I mean, understandable, largely because a lot of countries feel that these people won't be able to be prosecuted, uh, you know, in a way that truly reflects the crimes that they committed. Because, you know, what you know versus what you can prove in court are two di- very different things. So many countries have just said, screw it, we're not taking anybody back, Canada included. What what appears to be the case is as the Syrian regime takes areas back again uh, because the Kurds have redeployed and you know, obviously because of the Turkish movement, then those people who are in the Syrian camps will come under the ownership of the Syrian regime. Uh, and you know what? I'm sure horrible things are going to happen to them. And, and, you know, 
if there are Canadians, uh, we now we have a problem, right? Because I mean, we've been through this. You know, Canadians being sent to Syria to be tortured. This is a different case, of course. These are people we didn't send them; they went themselves. So, uh, you know, they won't be able to make the ten million dollar compensation claim this time. Hmm. Uh, in Iraq, it's the same thing. Iraq has, in fact, clearly said we are not going to prosecute Westerners. Uh, so ultimately, if Western countries want to bring them back, they can. Otherwise, they're going to remain in place. Or remain stateless, uh, which, you know, I guess just continues to compound the problem. And then there's guys like Jihadi Jack, whose parents, I guess, were living in the U.K., but uh, because the father had Canadian citizenship and it was conferred onto the son, uh, should Canada take him back? I don't think we should do anything uh, until we are actually forced to do so. Somehow, some kind of situation where, I mean, realistically, if the if foreign fighters were bust to the Canadian consulate or embassy locations, uh, we would pretty much have to take them in, and then you'd be hearing stories about how they're coming back. So that is the worst case scenario. Uh, but until then, I don't think we should we should do anything um, for uh, for these adults. Children, that's a different story. I think we should take the children, uh, orphan children back. Um, but again, the Kurds are kind of saying it's a package deal. you got to take everyone together. And so most countries are saying, well, then forget it. We're not going to do that. Yeah. And finally, I guess, you know, Donald Trump was making much of the fact that al-Baghdadi died in that tunnel with two other wives and three kids. He brought these kids to their death. It uh, seems that that was rather dishonorable. Or would that be seen in those quarters as being such? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the irony is, is that uh, he he killed himself by suicide vest, and then usually in a, a suicide bombing, the head remains intact. And that was actually one of the ways that they did, they were able to do their DNA analysis of him. But in Islam, the punishment for suicide is repeating your death over and over. So how fitting that for all eternity, Baghdadi gets to behead himself again and again and again. So it's a good day. It's a good day. As you said off the top, I appreciate you joining us, Mubin. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cheers. You got it. Mubin Sheikh, former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.